turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 7 and verse 2. For those of you that don't know, Acts chapter 7 is when Stephen preached the 55 verse description of everything that happened in the Word of God from the time of Abraham right up to right up to Jesus. It's just powerful. But he starts out by talking in verse 2, he just starts out by talking about how God spoke to Abram when he was living in Mesopotamia. And Mezzo is where you get the word mezzanine, and so it means between. And Potamia is where you get hippopotamus, water horse. And so when you put the two of them together, it talks about a man that was living between the rivers. And maybe that's where you are today. Matter of fact, the word Hebrew means to cross over. So he was the first Hebrew because he was the first one to get out of his perception, his perception of things into God's perception of things. What do you mean by that? Well, I noticed there were some new people up at the front today during praise and worship. It changes your perspective. You, you'll never be happy sitting back there anymore because you experience God in a greater way. But until you, you know, like I, I could come in here and lay down. Right? I could come in here and lay down and not even know what's going on in the church. Or I could sit in the back row and watch praise and worship and not ever enter in. It's about a change of perspective. Stand up in Jesus' name. Don't lay down anymore. No, the reason why things you see the world the way it is is because you're laying down. You're not standing up for God. You're laying down. Don't tell everybody off. I'm not telling everybody. I'm saying if you'll stand up, if you'll make a move. We want God to move in our lives. and We want different things, but we don't do anything different. You have to do something different in order to get something different. Or you keep going back to that same old mess, wanting God to change it. Every year, do the same thing, year in, year out, and wonder, God, why aren't you moving to my life? He would say, it's your move. It's your move. He told Abram to get out, and thank God he was a man. He actually told his wife, I experienced the glory of God and we're moving. Where are we going? I don't know, but follow me. I looked at this generation. I've been pastoring a church now for 20, 29 years. And mostly what I see is women leading and men following. <laughs> no, it's the truth. It's the truth. Let the woman be the spiritual head of the house. And I'll just follow along. Stop following and take the lead. That's why in any church in the land, you'll see a bunch of women up praising the Lord, and the men will be back there being cool. You're not cool, you're a fool. I don't want to draw any attention to myself. Nobody's looking at you anyway. Relax. Matter of fact, you stand out like a sore thumb when you're sitting in the back more than you do up at the front. No, but I'm, look, I know that people came up here that have not been up here before, and church was different. Why? Because you were participating. You weren't watching and waiting, hoping something would happen. <laughs> Keep putting a smile on, Gary. You don't want them to think you're mad at them. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just in the, I watch people. I was watching some people in, in, in Curtado, the best coffee in the world, coffee shop the other day, and uh, Three people were at the table talking. Three men were talking. Three businessmen. And so I was watching them. I wasn't listening to hear what they were talking about until one of them left. <laughs> and then I said, now I want to hear. 
Because, no, no, because we live in a negative world now, and I know what it's going to be. It's going to all be about the guy that left. Well, he's a good guy, but blah, 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 blah. No, he's either a good guy or he's not. Don't wait till somebody leaves to talk about them. Say something nice about them when you're in your presence. And if you got nothing good to say about them when they leave, shut it up. <laughs> oh, yeah, Acts chapter 7. Okay. Got that off. Got, off the, got that off your mind. No, I, I have the mind of Christ. I, he, he thinks through my mind and he speaks through my vocal cords. And so what you're getting is what he wants to say to you today. He's saying, if you'll all participate, your life will change and you'll change the lives of many people around you. They'll get near the fire. People will always come to watch a fire. A fire truck goes by, people follow it. They want to go where to know where the fire is. Let them follow you here. There's something wrong with that person. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got to find out what makes those people act the way that they do. They don't seem to care about anybody. No, we care for everybody. We just, we just don't care what you think. Like we're going to serve God. You can curse and swear and act up a fool wherever you are. Well, we can act any way we want in church. We'll run around, do somersaults, do whatever we like, and and uh, not be <laughs> embarrassed about it. Amen. Okay, Acts chapter. I found out it's God, man, God, Jesus, man, woman. You know that's the proper order, but that doesn't mean that the man is. You know he's not a. He's not a. What's the word? Chauvinistic. He's Jesus in the house. And he has the final authority because he takes the final blame or credit one way or the other too. If things go well, he, God takes the bow. If things go bad, it's the man's fault. Husband, houseborn, bound to the house. And, and it's interesting because in Genesis chapter 2, he didn't. when he saw that Adam was alone, he didn't give him another man in a man cave, in a hunting trip. He gave him a woman so that there would be a couple's cave so that they would do things together, whatever the weather. <laughs> Helpmate. No, but it says a foolish woman will tear her house apart with her words, but a wise woman builds a house. So when I look at a woman, I see her as an incubator. She doesn't just incubate babies and bring them forth in nine months. She turns a house into a home. If you let her, amen, if you let her, only if you let her. Okay, <laughs> Acts chapter 9. I like the, where, how it starts out with Saul here. It says he was breathing out threatenings and slaughter. <laughs> no, you got to get a picture of this guy because he was raised up under Gamaliel and he was the, he was the next highest ranking guy. The Sanhedrin, he would have been the leader when, 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 when Gamaliel died. He was groomed to be the guy. He, but he, matter of fact, he said he, he was raised at the feet of Gamaliel, right? So, so he had, but, but here's how he was acting. <laughs> just because you, know, you know Scripture doesn't mean you won't act up. Slaughter against the disciples of the Lord and went to the high priest, desired, give me letters, I want to go to Damascus, to the synagogues, 
that if he found anybody serving Jesus, that they would arrest them and bring them bound to Jerusalem and throw them in jail. Some of them they killed. Of course, Stephen in Acts chapter 7, you know, he killed them. And so he was a murderer. You need to know he was a murderer because he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And if God can take a murderer and turn him around, I don't know what your situation might be. But I don't know if there's any murderers in here or not. But if you did, you're still forgiven by the grace of God. How do you know that? Well, let's read on here. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that the government is demasking us. Trying to hurt us like cattle. Anyway, so, and he journeyed and came to Damascus and suddenly, no, but I, I like what Nancy was encouraging, encouraging. Sudden things are happening. Yes. Things that you waited for and, and, and things that seemed to drag out for years in the glory, suddenly things just change around, just change around. Just turn you around, turn your world upside down. Just like, Ab- just like Abraham, he was, he was living in Mesopotamia between the rivers. And then when the glory of God appeared to him, it totally changed his direction. To- it totally changed his function, changed his purpose on the earth. He realized that he had a greater purpose than just working his own little deal and playing his own little games and doing all this. He found purpose. This is why he, Paul would say in Corinthians he, chapter 6, he said, you are not your own. You don't own you anymore. So that, if I don't own me, that means I don't get to decide. <laughs> Could you assume that? If there's a kingdom, then there must be a king, and the king must tells me that if I'm willing and obedient, I'll eat the good of the land, wear the good of the land, drive the good of the land. He'll cause me to inherit substance, and he'll fill my treasures. If it's not my will, but his will. So that means he has a plan and a purpose for me. It's like I taught many times. I could take my son's guitar, this one. He really likes this one. And I could take that and sneak it out of here, put a canoe in the river, the Muscadabra River. Row, row, row your boat down. That's about a $2,500 canoe paddle. No, but you need to know the value of it because you need to know that it wasn't made to paddle a canoe. And neither were you. You have value and you have purpose and you were born into this last generation. Why? To display his glory, to carry his glory. How do you know that? Because he told me in his word. He said, I came to restore you back to my glory and the glory of the latter house Haggai 2.9 says, the glory of the latter house will be greater than anything the world has ever seen. Well, if I'm living in the latter house, then he must be talking about me, right? Hallelujah, and a light shone round about him. It was Ephesians 3.14, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Drop down to verse 9. Now, it made him blind, like Samson was blind. Saul of Tarsus is blind. But look at verse 9. He was three days without sight, neither did he eat or drink in those days. It's amazing how something like that will put a fast on you. (laughs) And there was a certain disciple in Damascus named Ananias. I know I taught this a year ago, but just to refresh your mind, Ananias means the grace of God. Ananias is spelled con on Yah, grace of God. 
So the grace of God will remove blindness, spiritual and physical blindness. The grace of God will do that. Then we get over to um, chapter 22. Again, we're talking about the glory of God. We're still talking about the glory of God. Um, let's pick it up. He's, this is one of the three times, I think, in the book of Acts, he's given his testimony. And it says, it came to pass in verse uh, 6. It came to pass that as I made my journey, I was come nigh on to Damascus, almost made it to his destination, about noon. If you like Western movies, this was a showdown at high noon. <laughs> about noon. Suddenly, <laughs> suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me, and I fell to the ground. Knocked him, knocked him down. Just like we talked on Thursday night about Kenneth E. Hagin when he was 15 months being bedridden there and in the word every, every waking moment, the glory of God came into his room. And when the glory of God came into his room, his grandmother saw and tried to get in the room and couldn't get in the room. And she, she, she hit an open door and bounced backwards. So she even took a run. He tells the story. She went out into the kitchen and got a big run on, trying to get into and still bounce back. No, but the glory of God will manifest itself. In, in ways like that. And again, it's all of his goodness being performed. But the, the very word means heavy and weighty and everything that is God is just, it's just his manifest presence. And so, so this is what happened. This is what happened to, to Saul. In verse six, it says, and those that were with me saw the light indeed. They were afraid, but they didn't hear the voice that spoke to him. And he said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto him, arise. And, and again, I'm, I'm going to go to Damascus. You're going to go to the straight street, because if it's a crooked street, you won't be able to find it. I don't know why he went to straight street, but he had to go there and to meet up with Ananias. But look at this. And when he could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand, this is exactly what happened with Samson. Samson got, you know, and he wasn't, Samson didn't get together with, with Gamaliel. Samson got together with Delilah when he was hurting and pain for ministry and all the things that were going wrong in his life. He actually laid his head in the lap of a woman that he knew was trying to kill him. Like how, how off course can you be than that? But I love the story because of this. Because it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done to get here this Sunday morning, the hair began to grow again. The hair began to grow again, and then a little lad led him, a type of the Holy Spirit, the same thing that let, happened with Paul here. And, the, and, and, a, and what he did at the end of his life was greater than anything that he had ever done before. The purpose in his life came to pass regardless of the circumstances he found himself in. Hallelujah. The hair began to grow and he began to pray and say, God, God, make my life count. Make my life count for something. And so he, he was led by the hand to those that, were, with those that were with him under Damascus. But now I want to go to Acts chapter 28 because he became a carrier of the glory. There's lots of verses that you can look at to, to find that out. But the glory of God worked on his behalf powerfully. And in Acts chapter 28 and verse 1 is where they're going to 
gets shipwrecked on the Isle of Malta. I think it says Malita there, but it's actually the Island of Malta today. And the thing about that island is it's only 25 kilometers long, 15 kilometers wide. So 10 by, if you, if you wanted in feet and inches, it would be about 10, 10 miles long. and No, 16 miles long, I think, and 8 miles wide. So very small island, about 80 kilometers south of Italy. Very small island. And it, why is that significant? Because of the way that they came there. Like you'll find that when you read through that story of that two-week nightmare of a storm where they had to cut off the masts and the, and unlaid the, uh, the ship and frap it together, tie it with frapping to keep it from flying apart, and they no longer could choose their direction. And that's my prayer for the ship, for this church, this ship. There was 276 people on board. And Paul said, if you'll listen to me now, none of you will lose your lives. If you'll stay on this ship, throw away all the tackling, everything, they frapped it together. They tied it together to keep the boards from coming apart. And then God, they even threw out nine anchors that, that are still there in that harbor today. They call it Paul's Harbor, Paul's Bay. They're still there to this day, the anchors. They dropped the anchors and the anchors all broke apart. Why? Because God steered that ship into a revival. They, we didn't like it. I mean, some of the guys even, they started to get in the lifeboats to try and get away. But the soldiers cut the lifeboats out. No, no, there's no escape in what's about to happen, but you need to know what's about to take place. Because 276 people landing on a little tiny island like that is not an accident, it's a, an invasion. No, 276 people showing up down where I live in Middle Muscadel, but that would be an invasion. And in Jerusalem, in a religious place, when, when in Matthew chapter 2, I think verse 2 or 3, it talks about the, the, the kings coming to looking for Jesus, following to start looking for Jesus. The Bible says that the whole city of Jerusalem was troubled at their arrival, right? So religion doesn't get excited when people come to town. But now let's look at these guys. And when they were escaped, then they knew the island of Melita. And there were barbarous people, unlearned, ignorant people, apparently. They weren't aristocrats from the Roman Empire. They were barbarous people. But I love this. It showed, it showed them. When I read this, I said, God, I don't know if mantra is a good word or not. But make this the mantra of our church. That when people come in, we show them no little kindness. What if they come in tatted out and pierced out? Well, that's what we want. <laughs> we don't need any religious people sitting all stuffed up. We, we've already dealt with that over years, right, Pastor Paul? We, we hit all more than our share of that. Some people wouldn't last past the second song. Once the guitar string bent, they were gone. <laughs> yeah, but we didn't feel sad about that. We prayed that they'll find a good place, but we didn't want them. Swelled up like a bullfrog, judging everything that you do and everything that you say. <sighs> you remember, come on. I used to elbow Nancy. 
that couple that just came in, they'll be going on the second song. We would make little bets with each other. Not for money, but how long are they going to last? <laughs> and then, of course, Pastor Paul at that time had Louisville Sluggers for drumsticks. And none of this. Pow! <laughs> Jesus! It was wonderful. Look, I wouldn't trade any of that for anything. So. Yeah, we're free. That's right. We've been free the whole time. We're just going to different levels of freedom. It's like you go from glory to glory to glory. Have we had struggles? Yeah. But you're going to have a struggle whether you're serving God or whether you're not. (laughs) Only two times the devil's going to attack you when you're in the will of God and when you're not. (laughs) It's the truth. I wish the devil would leave me alone. Well, die. (laughs) Just die. No more problem. But until then, Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life. Hallelujah. So they were a barbarous people, but they showed no little kindness. And they kindled a fire. I say, God, help us to start a big fire where people that are out there in the rain and the cold and the world, the world out there can come in here and get warm. Amen. You know, come in and warm yourself by the fire. Come in here and we'll accept you in the beloved, like just like Jesus does. You know, we've got a couple of friends that wait on us at the Micmac Beverage Room. We seem to go there a lot. And if you haven't been there, you need to go there, and then you understand why we go there. Right, Paul? Right on, yeah. Seafood platter? Oh, come on. Steak that you can pull apart with you. Anyway, so don't start talking about that. They'll all leave you early. Okay. (laughs) There's a couple out there we'd like for you to pray for. Brent and Jamie. They're actually related to Larry and Dana. But we witness to them, you know, and invite them to church and stuff. And they, they, they kind of get, they're really good people. But they grew up in a religious environment where they were always told you're going to go to hell. How many of you know that does, that might work sometimes. But if you, I don't know about the love of the Lord, I don't want to be in some religious thing serving God because I'm afraid he's going to send me to hell. Once you find out how much he loves you, everything, everything changes. You actually begin to like you yourself. That's a wonderful thing too when you like you. Yeah, it is nice. But in verse 7 it says says here that in the same quarters there were a chief man, the head honcho of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and we lodged there three days courteously. So, like, like, but again, there's 276 people. How, how many people were on the island at that time? I don't know, but I, I, I kind of think that it might have been maybe a thousand or two or three. I have no way of knowing. But, but again, taking care of all these people kind of reminded me of Gander, Newfoundland when, when, uh, when 9-11 took place. All of a sudden, those Newfoundlanders had people living in their houses all over the place. They didn't care where you came from or what, you, what your sexual persuasion was. They, they just, you know, come on and we'll take care of you, bye. No, no, but, that, but, that, but the church needs to take on that mindset. You know, like we've had, um, we've had um, uh, uh, gay people in our church and had to ask them to leave, but only because they were acting out in here. I mean, they were welcome here. They were welcome here to come hear the Word of God, just like, you know, I look at any kind of sexual addiction like my, my drug and alcohol addiction. I was addicted to one thing, they're addicted to another. I got healed, and so can they, right? So can they. 
but, the, but they can't do it if we think that they're the enemy. Once we get the realization that it's just us, you're either in Christ or you're in Adam, but it's just us. Do some of those things bother? Yeah, they do, sure. Things, but but we, we have to get above that. We need to be like these guys. Show them no little kindness. And then in verse, verse 10, it says it went on for three months. Look at this. It says, and they honored us with many honors. And when we departed, we were loaded with, loaded down with such things as we needed, three months worth. But when they got there, one person God healed. First of all, the snake bit Paul and he shook it off into the fire because he had gotten to that place where nothing's going to stop me until I fulfill my ministry. So he just shook it off into the fire and they thought, wow, this guy must be God. Anyway, that opened up a door for him to pray. They prayed for every sick person on that island and brought such a revival that people were, people were, you know, you talk about tithes and offerings. They started laying finances on these guys to the point where when they left for Rome, they left in a ship of Alexandria in Egypt, the finest ships in the world, and they had suitcases full of stuff. And when Paul got to where he was going, he had enough money to pay his rent for his house for two years. How did that happen? They got in the glory of God and followed God's leading. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 276 people who were former prisoners, by the way. Don't forget that part. They were jailbirds. They weren't all cleaned up. They landed in a barbarous island, but I'm thinking they probably weren't all that shiny themselves. But that's a good thing, too, to remember where you came from. To remember what you were like. I remember one time I was walking down the road on a Sunday and I saw a guy walking up the street drinking a beer a bunch of years ago. And I looked at him, I looked down my nose at him. And I heard the Lord say, Hey, you drunken bum, don't you remember where I found you? <laughs> Did he talk to you exactly like that? Exactly like that. You're drunk. Remember where you remember the pit that I dug you out of. And if I can forgive you, you can forgive other people. Amen. It's a, again, it keeps coming back to that. How about Psalm 102? I know you know Psalm 102, but hear it fresh today. No, hear the word of God fresh all the time. His mercies are new every morning. And no, and he'll say things like, and again I say, why does he say that? Because you didn't get it the first time. You act like you're all that, and you get it all together, and mostly not not true. Come on, it's not true. Oh, I know that scripture. What, where's the evidence? <laughs> when you when you really know it, you won't have to tell us you know it. <laughs> no, you can know about God, and not know God at all, right? You can know scriptures. I mean, Saul of Tarsus knew all the scriptures. He could quote the first five books of the Bible. Just stand there and quote the whole thing out. Wouldn't you? And plus, he tithed and offerings and everything. He'd have been so welcome in most of the churches in North America. They'd have probably made him a deacon or an elder or something. And he wasn't even saved. But he had, but it looked right. Not about looking right. Hallelujah. But verse 13. And again, this is when it talks about God here and, and how he rises up. It gives you the idea when you read it in the Hebrew that he rose up 
like you thought he wasn't even paying attention to you. You didn't, weren't even sure if he was involved in your life. You knew that he loved mankind, but you weren't sure that he loved you. You thought something about you ticked him off. And so there you were in your praise life, prayer, prayer life. But it says, the Lord shall arise and have mercy upon Zion. Now, Zion, if you need to know it, write it down. Hebrews 12, 22 will tell you that Zion is the church of God. It's not the Mount of Olives, it's Mount Zion. And when you read Zion in your Bible, Hebrews 12, Paul made it very clear that he's talking about the church. And so he said, you'll have mercy on Zion. And I like this. And it says, for the time, for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. And that, that's, God never misses an appointment. There's a set time. There's a set time for everything in your life to be fulfilled. A set time. Just like we talked about Elisha on Thursday night. He asked for double of what Elijah had. And he died and thought he missed it. But his bones were laying in a cave. And they threw a, a, an enemy soldier into that cave. When he hit Elisha's bones, he came back to life. Because God still owed him one. No, what God promises, he's powerful to perform. He didn't forget you. He's not forgotten you. Is he still working in your life? Absolutely. Will he ever stop? No, I will never leave you. Never fail you. Never forsake you. He's working. Well, I don't see it. I don't see any different. Well, maybe you're laying down. No, maybe you're laying down. Maybe it's just time to stand up and change your perspective. Don't you get that? I want to enjoy the presence of God. Well, it's better... Up at the front, they call it the place where the, the spoke where the glory calls, pours out is what they call the altar, this space that we call the altar of God. I'm not saying you can't sit back there. You can sit anywhere you want. You can lay down over and behind John in the sound booth if you want to. It's not about that. It's about we're trying to get you to, it, it's like every time I hear Aston say, come on, I understand. Come on with me. I'm in a place now and I want to go further and you're holding me back. <laughs> exactly that's why he led them through the wilderness for 40 years to teach them how to walk together he had a he had an order that they were to walk in he had a system that was set up for them and they bucked it all the time that's why an 11 day journey took 40 years how long do you want to take now how long do you want it to be before you get to the place where God called you to be because it's up to you it's not up to him. Be nice. A set time. A set time. Favor. Favor. This is a nice little definition. To bow down and to grant unfair, undeserved partiality. In other words, you didn't deserve it. You didn't deserve it. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owe a debt I cannot pay. <laughs> He's not asking for payment. He's asking me to believe what he did was enough. It means also means to promote to prominence. Mm. Uh, the next verse. For, no, let's read verse 15. So shall, no, read verse 14. 
for the servants, your servants shall take pleasure in her stones and the favor is the dust thereof. Read it in other translations. Do one make sense? But I don't have time right now. Uh, so, so, so the heathen shall fear the name of the Lord. Come on, the glory, the favor of God. So the heathen will fear the name of the Lord. And again, that's not talking about being afraid. That's about reverence and respect. We fear the name of the Lord and all, does it, my Bible says all the kings of the earth, your glory. Is this not Isaiah chapter 60, arise and shine, your light has come, the glory of the Lord has risen up on you in the world of darkness, the gross darkness upon the people, but God's glory shall be seen upon you. Kings and influential people will come to the brightness of your rising. It's the same, he's saying the same thing right here. He said, when the Lord shall build up Zion, then after, after you've been rebuilt, then he's going to appear in glory. So there's a building up that's taking place right now before his appearance. People say, oh, the Lord, could, there's people on, 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 uh, on Christian TV talking about how the Lord's going to return, you know, like next week or next month or something. And I always say, no, it won't happen. I, would, I don't mind it. Like, it's not up to me. But I know what my Bible says from Joel chapter 2, 23, right through the end. Even Acts 3, 21 says that the heavens received him until the times of the restitution of all things. Well, when I see the restitution, when I see a glorious church without spot or wrinkle washed in the blood of the lamb, ready for the wedding feast, then I'll say, okay. But I don't see this. Diff- anyway, amen, hallelujah. We'll see his glory. We'll see his glory. Are you ready to see his glory? Well, we really should go to Acts uh, 78 because this went with it as well. I read it to you, I think, on Thursday night. 78 verse 65. Are you there? Oh, Psalm 78. Verse 65, then the Lord awoke as one that was asleep and he roared like somebody that had been drunk with wine. In other words, he wasn't shy about making, <laughs> making <laughs> no, but that's why he encourages you to get drunk in the Holy Ghost because drunk people don't care what other people think. That's why I said, don't be drunk with wine when you're in this excess, but be continually be filled with the Holy Ghost so that you can get out of yourself. So you can get past yourself and be like a drunk. That's why Paul the Apostle, or Peter said, they're not drunk like you think, but they are drunk. They're not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning, the third hour of the day. But let me tell you, the reason why you think they're drunk is because they're, because they don't care what you think anymore. They're speaking with other tongues. They're laughing. They're carrying on. They're giggling. Oh, I wonder what the person behind me is going to think. That's all gone when you're drunk. No, but then he said again, he said in John 7, 37, if you're thirsty, he said, I'm so tired of your religious rituals. Is anybody thirsty? Come on to me and don't come and think. Come and drink. Well, I wonder how that's going to work. I wonder what I'm supposed to do. (laughs) 
The Lord awoke as one out of sleep like a mighty man that shouted by reason of wine, and he smote the enemies in the hinder parts and put them to a perpetual reproach. That's a good thing. Say, that's a good thing. Let's go to 1 Chronicles chapter 15. 15 to verse 14. I like verse 14 because it tells us what we're supposed to do. We sanctify ourselves. What does that mean? He sanctified us already. He set us apart. All we're doing is moving into that place with him, out of the flesh and over into the spirit. I'm set apart. I'm not set apart for Gary's service. I'm set apart for God's service. So what would you have me do, Lord? Verse 14, so the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves. Why? To bring up the ark of the God of Israel. Again, Haggai 2.9, the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former host, says the Lord of hosts. So this is my purpose. How do I get there? Verse 16, he says, And David spoke to the chief Levites to appoint brethren and singers and instruments of music, psalteries and harps, electric guitars, hallelujah, awesome basses being played by Dana and stuff like that. But, but look at it. By lifting up your voice with what? He's telling you, be happy. Why is that so difficult for humans? Huh? Be happy. Happy comes from what you're looking at. Happy's not an event. Happy is, happy is yeah, a knowing. Amen. Uh, verse 25. Then David and the, then, then David and the elders of the, uh, what are the elders supposed to be doing here? Uh-huh. And the captains, over thousands, bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the house of Obadidim with joy. Hallelujah. And you know, and really when you think about it, that's not a request either. It's, it's a commandment. It's like, you know, a, a God's saying, when are you going to get happy? When are you going to realize what I did for you? When are you going to realize that I went to the Garden of Gethsemane? The greatest test I ever withstood was in the Garden of Gethsemane. It wasn't at the cross. It was having to surrender my will to your sin. And, I, and I, when I prayed, drops of blood came out of my pores because I really didn't want your sin. I wanted you, but I did not want to carry your sin. It caused me to have my father turn his back on me and I said, my God, my God. Well, I couldn't call him father anymore because your sin was on me. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he's saying, if you realized, if you knew what I did to get you, you'd be some kind of happy. If you knew what hell was really like, you'd be some kind of happy just to know that you're not going there. It's eternal incarceration. It's odor darkness. There's not going to be a lot of friends there hanging out. It's odor darkness where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing or grinding of teeth. You might not be in a natural body, but you're still going to be grinding your teeth in hell. It wouldn't be funny. And not only that, you think it's not like you can mark a mark on the wall and say, well, I'll be getting out in a few days. You ain't never. Judas is there to this day, 2,000 years later, thinking, I sold the king of the universe for 30 pieces of silver. People sell him for a lot less than that. You think that's really shocking, but people were, you know, trade him off for a night at the bar. 
Just forget that I'm going to live my own life. I'm going to do my own thing. Well, let me tell you, you can do it for 60 or 70 years, but at the end of the day, it's scary. No, we're not. I know we're not going. That's why you ought to hug yourself and go, ooh. Verse 28. Then all of Israel brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord with shoutings. Why do they shout so much in that church? Huh? I wish they could just be peaceful and quiet. I like it peaceful and quiet. It's peaceful and quiet in the graveyard. Okay? It's <laughs> supposed to be life and that more abundantly in the church. Okay. Well, it's just not my nature. Well, then get born again. <laughs> well, I am born again. Well, then act like it. No, I've had people, I remember a couple, we're leaving this church because this music's too loud. And they were sitting in the back with headphones on or something. I'm saying, don't go to heaven then. My Bible says in Revelation 19 that when they praised the Lord, it sounded like peals of thunder. Uh, there ain't no comfortable little spot for you over in the corner, by the way. <laughs> No, but, but, but see, those things reveal the problem, and the problem is in me. Like, those people out there are not my problem anytime. It's me. If something you do rubs me the wrong way, it's me. God is saying, you need to change. You need to let those things stop bothering you because people are still controlling your life. You can't be free and have people controlling your life. That doesn't mean you're rude or anything, but it's just like, hey, no, 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 no. I need, I, I can't fix you. Matter of fact, I can't even fix me. Only the word of God and the Holy Ghost can make change in your life. But that's not an excuse. <laughs> well, I can't change me anyway, so I might as well be an idiot. No, no, that's not what you say <laughs> either. <laughs> Verse 29, and it came to pass that the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the city of David, that Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window of the, saw the King David dancing and despised him in her heart. How many times have you seen that in church? Come on, you praise and worship people get to see that stuff. I don't want to see it anyway, but, but <laughs> no, but you get to see people will come and they'll leave because they just, <laughs> this is just not right for me. It's not about you. It's about him. We're worshiping him, and he told us we could do it loud. We hired a sound guy. We're trying to keep it full without ruining it. It is. Come on. Where are you going to hear anything like that? And there's people out there now singing with masks on. <laughs> this Bible is true. This is true. This is true. Now, David wrote a psalm here, and it starts in verse 2. No, verse 7 of chapter 16. I don't want to read it all, but I'd like to look at a couple of things uh, beginning in verse 26 of chapter 16. For all the gods of the people are idols. Well, you know, I know people that have made idols out of Harley-Davidson motorcycles. <laughs> you know, think more of their motorcycle than they do of their wife. <laughs> Shine that all up and treat it, keep it warm and comfortable and ignore the wife altogether. Well, what is that? That's an idol. 
how about a career? A career can be an idol if you're spending all your time there and not spending any time with your family. You've got an idol working in your life. I don't like it that you said that, Pastor. Well, I, <laughs> sucks to be you then. I, I don't know. <laughs> For all the gods and all the people are idols, and the, but the Lord made the heavens. Glory, honor, and strength in this, glory and honor. Come on, the glory is what we're after, right? Where is the glory? In his presence. You can get in his presence. Nobody can get any closer to God than you. I was watching the story of the life of Billy Graham. They had on TV there the other night. And I didn't know. Like, I knew what a powerful evangelist he is. But I didn't know that he was the one that that came against racism in the 50s. He was going to doing crusades in the 50s, and they had ropes set up. Black people over here, white people over here. I don't know where they put orange or yellow. I, I don't know how they did all that, but he told the ushers, take those ropes down, and they wouldn't do it. There was thousands of people in that crusade. He went down and took them down himself. He said, I'm not ever, and you're not ever, as long as I'm up here on the platform doing that again. Those are powerful things, you know. And then you find out other things about him. Like one time there was, how many of you know what a striker bed is? That's what they used to put you in on if you broke your back or something. It was like you were the grilled cheese in the grilled cheese sandwich. They'd put you in it and, and you'd be totally in it, except for a cutout for your face and they would flip you over once in a while. Anyway, Billy Graham was in visiting these soldiers that came back from Vietnam. And one of them was in that striker bed and he got down and slid in underneath of it and prayed for this kid in the striker bed. And the tears fell out of that kid's eyes and washed all over Billy Graham. And when, when he said that story, I thought, that's what God did through Jesus for you. He came and found you in your condition, and he slid in underneath the circumstance and took your tears on his face. That's who we serve. He himself took your sickness, carried your pain. The chastisement of your peace was laid upon him, and with his stripes you're healed. If you're dealing with physical things, if you're dealing with financial things, just deal with them. Don't ever think, don't ever give up on the God of all creation. Don't ever stop believing. He's faithful. Hallelujah. Verse 29 says, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him and worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Well, that's a lot in that little sandwich right there, isn't there? Hallelujah. I'm bringing an offering unto the Lord. I'm not hanging on to my little deal thinking that I can provide for me better than he can. No, I'm amazed that people believe that he's going to come and rescue you and take you to heaven, but you can't trust him with five bucks. Like, you know, ask yourself, like, what is that? But now when you see something that you want, anyway, we're meddling in all kinds of stuff here today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to blame it on the praise and worship team because I wasn't like that before I came in the church. So. <laughs> yeah. No, we'll go in debt to get something we want. <laughs> Even look for a cosigner. Can I find a cosigner? 
cosign or somebody that's just as stupid as you. No, that's not fair. That's not that wasn't nice, was it? I repent of that because sometimes you, de- sometimes you do have to get alone. And sometimes you do need a cosigner and sometimes you do need help. So just disregard that last comment. That was not the Holy Ghost. That was the Gary Ghost. I'm only repenting because I have used cosigners in the past. <laughs> no, no, I was so poor I could not pay attention. That's the truth. I know we use that joke all the time, but we were there, weren't we, Nancy? Yeah. They came and took away our visa card. When we first got married, they confiscated our visa card. It was, though. It was. I remember Bruce, Bruce Belfway used to put his in a glass of water and put the glass of water in the freezer. But after they invented microwaves, that didn't work anymore. So. <laughs> For that sucker, let's go. Yeehaw. No, it's kind of like if you find yourself in a hole, stop digging, right? <laughs> Verse 11, and it came to pass, thank you, Jesus, whatever your situation, this is true. And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place, for all the priests were present and sanctified. They didn't come by courses. There was eight courses, eight divisions. But now they came, all of them came together. Oh, how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity, no division. And the Levites and the singers and all of them, with their sons and their brethren, dressed up in their Sunday best symbols. My Sunday best is a pair of blue jeans today. I hope you don't mind. Uh, The east of the altar. Look at this. It says that there was 120 priests. And the reason why this is significant to you and I is there was 120 people in the upper room. And there's 120 jubilees from the time that from from for 2000 years since Jesus is gone. And so it's also a sign of what it's going to look like in the last days. Again, Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 9, the thing that has been is the thing that will be, and there's nothing new under the sun. So this is repeating itself in our generation. 120 priests. And it came to pass as the trumpets and the singers were what? One. Have you ever noticed when there's an instrument out of tune with the rest of the people like, like that, you know, a bad note. And so the, whoever it is, they're, they're going to fix that if they, no, if they notice it. Hopefully you're, you, you do. But this is what he's talking about, us being in one accord. Like it doesn't mean that we see everything the same way. It doesn't mean that we're all at the same spiritual level. It doesn't even mean that, you know, like you, you different occupations and all of those kind of things. It means our purpose is to present Jesus to the world. Our purpose is to, dis- to display the glory of God, and that would be us operating in our function. So 120. And it came to pass, as the trumpets and the singers were one, and the sound was heard and the praises and the thanks given to the Lord, they lifted up their voices with trumpets and cymbals, instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, he is good and his mercy endures forever. We learned that in the Hebrew years and years ago. Kitov, praise the Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. Kitov means he's most good. Kileolam hesto. Praise the Lord for he is good and his mercy endureth forever. 
And I noticed that when Kenneth E. Hagin would have Holy Ghost meetings, he would do that maybe three or four times, and phew, the glory of God would fall. He would get them all to say, Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. All the people in sync. Can you imagine? It should be easy. It should be easy for us, shouldn't it? We don't have anything against anybody. You got anything against me? I got nothing against you. No, no, you get those things fixed up, those things cleared out, and everything will be fine. So, yeah. But I like what happens after that. The house was filled with a cloud in the house of the Lord so that the priests couldn't even stand to minister by reason of that cloud for the glory of God filled the house of God. We've had meetings like that. We've had meetings like that with Vicki Jameson and Lucy McKee and people like that. We've had meetings where you couldn't even stand up. Hallelujah. And that was nothing compared to now. Nothing compared to now. What am I to be expecting? Again, Exodus 33, verse 18. I beseech you, Lord, show me your glory. My prayer for 2021 is only one. I only have one. I have prayers I pray over you, but only have one for me. I beseech you, Lord, show me your glory. I say it when I get up in the morning. I say it in the middle of the night. I say it whenever I'm conscious of it. I beseech you, God, this world needs your glory. This world has never been in the situation it's in right now. We, only your glory can change that. Chapter 7, go ahead and just turn over to chapter 7, verse 1. Now, when Solomon had made an end to praying, the fire of God came down. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1. Now, when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering. Well, the offering that needs to be consumed now is Romans 12, 1, you're a living sacrifice. Present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto him as your reasonable service. He wants to scorch you. No, no, we talk about what Ezekiel saw when he prayed, fire from the loins up and fire from the loins down. John on the Isle of Patmos saw the same thing. Well, that's what you look like in the spirit. Fire from the loins up, fire from the loins down. He said, the burnt offering and the sacrifice and the glory of the Lord, what happened? See, but when you begin to recognize who you are in Christ, when you begin to acknowledge those things, those things will begin to, to manifest. Like really, when praise and worship starts, you had to grab your flesh and say, you're going to the front especially if you've never done it before. And you're going to get up there. I can't dance. Well, stomp, spin, do something. 
do something that you've never done before to get something you've never had before. God, why? Because pastor will tell you, God honors obedience. Always. And when you put your flesh on the line, he super, uh, super follows that. And the priest could not enter. Imagine trying to get in the sanctuary and falling out there in the foyer. <laughs> Couldn't even enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the house. And when all the children of Israel saw, I'm telling you, saw how the fire come down and the glory of God upon the house, they, they bowed themselves and their faces to the ground, to the pavement. You'll suck carpet. <laughs> and they praised him. Hallelujah. Kitov, kileolam, hasto. Praise the Lord for his mercy. Notice it doesn't say his judgment either. It says his mercy endures forever. One more verse, and then we're going to have communion. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 14. Do you already know it? Remember this, a move of God comes from a manifestation of the glory of God. A move of God comes from a manifestation of the glory of God. Check any move of the Spirit of God that took place over all these years, and you'll see that same thing. It's not about a building. It's not about a location. It's about the glory of God. Azusa Street was an old, an old stable. You know, hay and horse poop on the floor. Didn't stop God. I said it didn't stop God. You get a nice place, so, all right. So verse 14, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's talking about now. Knowledge to discern. Not just to see. To recognize from afar. A deep awareness of the heart of God as well as manifestations, manifestations of his glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.